he didn't say, I don't do any of this stuff. He said, I only do. So what religion does is it gets people stuck in an endless cycle of striving. It's just endless. They, you, you, when you start striving, you'll never stop. And, and you're trying to kind of attain to this perfected person that you see religion present. Maybe it's the pastor, the pope, whoever it might be, an, a saint, you know, in the Catholic Church. This is who I attain to. And what happens is if we approach our lives that way, we will be very disappointed. We will be discouraged when we don't do good enough. And we may quit altogether, even wanting to live for the Lord, because we think that living for the Lord requires so much effort. And that's the exact opposite of what the gospel actually says. It actually states that your effort does nothing. <laughs> that, because, you know, remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John 3? And he's telling Nicodemus, he's like, well, how does someone get to heaven? And Jesus is like, you can't get to heaven. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, you have to be born there. The only people that are allowed in heaven are people that are born in heaven. And he's like, well, what does that mean? Do I have to be born again? And Jesus is telling them, what I'm telling you is that you're from heaven. He was letting us know when we identify with him, we're identifying with our original design. We were God's idea, not our own. It's not like, it's not like you, you're here because it was your own idea, and now you have to prove it to God that you deserve to stay here. That's nonsense. God made you. You are his idea, and you were always born in him. So what's the problem then, Jamin? Why do we have this mess that we have on the earth? Because man forgot. He forgot who he was. He forgot where he was from, and he completely forgot God. And when you forget God, your mind gets messed up. <laughs> Why is that? Because you have no focus of who you really are. And people say there are all sorts of crazy stuff that makes no sense whatsoever. And it's getting worse <laughs> by the day. There's some people, they, they pretend they're animals and walk around like animals. I mean, it's crazy stuff, right? But it's just a, it's just a progression of not containing within your own mind and your own mindset who you are. So Jesus doesn't go around and address what you aren't. He just tells you who you are. And when you know who you are, who you aren't easily is identifiable. Well, I'm just angry. I'm angry all the time. I'm just an angry person. Have you ever heard someone say that? Okay. Well, God doesn't call you angry. You called yourself angry. And then you lived out of that identity you created of yourself. Now, if you go to God and you say, God, show me who I really am. Show me how you made me. He will show you. And you'll be like, exactly. You'll realize that. That's who I am. What happens is people try to tell you who you should be. And if you're in a religious system, they're going to tell you what you should and shouldn't do and who you really should and shouldn't be. But in reality, God made you unique. Your uniqueness is the God quality in your life. Now, when we're getting older, we 
tend to not know necessarily what we're supposed to be like. Like child, young person, teenager, young adult, you know, middle-aged adult, older adult. With each of these transitions in the natural, we try to find some type of natural identity of, you know, what is my role now? You know, I'm the, I'm the stately father. I'm this, I'm that, you know, or whatever, right? You don't have to do that. Just be yourself. Communicate the love of God from your own personality. You're good. That's it. Very simple. You know, sometimes we say, well, that person's abrasive. Well, they're just very blunt. <laughs> and sometimes you need blunt. You know, you got people and their and their words are always so nice. And then and then finally you're like, well, what are you trying to say to me? <laughs> just tell me directly. It's okay. Um, you know, so we're all learning about this. We're learning about our identity. We're learning who God's made us to be. And it's a progression. It's a progression. It's a it's a state of continual learning. Now, most of the learning that we receive in our lives is through books and teachings like I'm doing right now, which is a teaching type of learning. But the learning in the Spirit isn't like that. Now, when we teach, if we're teaching by the Spirit, you can get both together, okay? But usually you're taught different ways. You're taught through what you encounter. You're taught through your encounters, the things that you've encountered. Now, people say, well, I had an encounter with the devil. Well, obviously that wasn't God teaching you. That was the devil. Okay, what I mean by that is an encounter with sin, an encounter with something. Now, was did God give you an encounter with sin? No, that was something that you encountered while you were on the earth. But the encounters we have are with Jesus. You know, when you have a thought about God, maybe it's about his love. Maybe it's about the things that he's done in your life. Maybe you're reminiscing about the good things that God's done in your life. Those are very powerful experiences in God. Okay, those are very powerful. When you're just thinking about, like, let's say you're thinking about a time in your life where you just really enjoyed certain things. Maybe it's with a loved one that isn't here now, but was. And you just say to yourself, I am so thankful for those times that I had with that person. It was so amazing. And I'm so thankful. And I'm also thankful for the times I have now with the people that are here in front of me right now. You see what I'm saying? So what Jesus does is that he always, um, his encounter is with the one, the one that's in front of him. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's like we're always thinking past or we're thinking future, but we're not thinking about who's in front of you right now. And who's in front of you right now is the direct manifestation of the love of God in your life right now. Okay, that's how it works. So you can think future, you can think past, that's fine, but where you are right now is where God is expressing his love. It's the present, right? And a lot of people aren't, you know, and they have a thing like in the world, you know, kind of a worldly way of thinking of it, mindfulness, they call it. You know, have you ever heard that expression? Being mindful. And that is being mindful of your present, where you are right now, being aware of the present. Uh, people like to live in the past and they'd like to live in the future or regret or whatever. And it's a terrible place to live because it's not mindful. It's not where you are right now. Now, I can tell you this. I've seen it, and the scripture talks about it. God is going to wrap this thing up in the most amazing way that you have ever seen. It is going to be beyond any of your wildest imagination of how good it can be. It is better than that. That is a fact. 
That is a fact. All the troubles that people have been through in their lives, all the terrible things that have happened throughout their lives, it will absolutely be so insignificant compared to how good this thing wraps up to be, you won't even remember it. That's how small. So if you think in your life the biggest problems you've ever had, they are so small in comparison to how good what God has planned for you is that you will have to strain to look to find it. That's how great the goodness of God is and what he is going to pour out on all of mankind. There's no exceptions. There's, no, there's nobody who's out. The only people that are out are the people that just didn't want it. And that's because they haven't learned yet because they're not there. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, in, in all reality, the most rebellious person that you've ever met who wanted nothing to do with God, they still, they, God still doesn't give up on them. He never gives up on anyone, ever. And what that means is, is he is going to love you forever. And sometimes people see that as fire. And it's agonizing to them because they do not want to change. And it's anguish, but that anguish is changing them. Because, because see, once you change, once you change your perspective about God, then it changes everything. Because we create these realities for our, our own lives that we're living inside of. And if they're not based on the truth, they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable, spiritually speaking. A lot of times people don't want to be quiet because the thoughts that are in their head haven't been dealt with. Okay? They just don't want to be quiet. Those thoughts that are going on and on, you're getting quiet in yourself. Say, let's do quiet time, quiet prayer. They're like, too many thoughts, too many thoughts, too many thoughts. But you see, what you got to do is you take those thoughts, right? And you, and you ignore them and have one thought. Okay? This is how you do it. You have one thought. So you have a lot of thoughts, and I know the girls can do a lot of thoughts better than guys. I know this already. They've, I've, I've been around enough that I know girls can have like 10 conversations in their head at the same time, and guys are like, one conversation. I can have one conversation. That's it. I can do multiple conversations. Forget about it. Girls can be like, you know, they had the thing with all the browser tabs open. This is, this is a girl's mind, like 5,000 browser tabs open. But those are thoughts, and guys have thoughts too that can be overwhelming thoughts guys are like a big thought guys are more like um uh what's the word um they do they do more like uh when you when you agonize over a thought the same one over and over again <laughs> that's more of a guy girls can do a hundred thoughts at the same time but either way our thoughts are where we're focused so if you would focus on a single thought that has to do with the above being where God is. Maybe it's a scripture. Maybe it's just the idea of himself, that God, God himself, his presence, being aware of him present around us and in us, okay? That thought. And then what happens to the rest of it is they, get, they settle down, okay? Because what you're doing is you're positioning yourself spiritually by taking, because remember what Jesus said? He said, take no thought about your life, what you will wear, what you will put on, what you will eat. He said, don't take those thoughts. In other words, don't put them as your focus thought. Consider lilies. Consider birds, right? Isn't that what he said? Consider this, consider that. If you're going to think about something, think about, I remember when God took care of me here. I remember when God took care of me here. I remember when God took care of me here. He's telling you what to consider and what not to consider. I remember 
I didn't think this was going to work, but it did. I remember how much God took care of me here. And then he said, if you don't have any of those, just look at the, look at the grass. <laughs> look at the birds. They're doing all right. They're not striving. You see? We say, oh, the only way I can get something is through striving. No. Consider the, consider the grass. Oh, you're telling me to be lazy? No, I'm telling you to trust God. It's a difference. Listen, man, focusing on man without God is pure vanity. And the Bible actually calls that like foolishness. Like that's the wisdom of this world, the Bible says, is foolishness to God. And the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. So when you say, trust God, don't worry. Man's like, you're nuts. You should worry. We're, we're all in a lot of trouble. You don't understand how bit much trouble this world is in, Jamin. And be like, I do understand. From that perspective, you could say the world's in trouble. But from this perspective, you can say the world is saved. <laughs> it's your place. It's where, what are you thinking about? You know? So we build these worry castles, I call them. They're little castles of worry. And you go in them, and you hang out, and you worry inside of these castles. Just leave them. Construction has ceased on this castle. We're not going into the worry castle. We're going to the interior castle, the holy of holies with, with Jesus himself. Do this. Just be quiet. Just do it with me. And now just think about how much God loves you. Just think about that thought where he says, I love you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always love you. I have you in the palm of my hand. Just think about those things. Let's do that right now. And become aware of God's love as a presence, not just an idea, as an actual, as an actual being, a presence of the love of God all around you, and how it's just wrapping you up like a hug of love. That's how he thinks about us. The presence of God, the love of God as presence. It's Christmas, time for presence, as the presence of God, right, around us. So you practice that. Practice that thought. Do this. Whenever you think about it, do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just like communion, whenever, as often as you do this, do it, right? As often as you think about him, do it. Think about his love. Think about being wrapped up in the love of God. You're kind of covered. Remember how we said in Psalm 91, under the shadow of the Almighty. You're under his wing. When you're, when you're a little bird and you're under the big bird wing, nobody sees the little bird. They see a big bird. Nobody wants to mess with the big bird. <laughs> you got a big bird over top of you. You're a little bird, right? You're just like the big bird, just the little version. You can't say you're like God. Well, God's the one who said it. He actually wrote his name in our DNA. So... I don't know. You can talk to him about it. All right? So take those thoughts. So if you ever have a lot of little thoughts going on in your head, take the thought about God loves me. And then say, I'm allowing you, God, to love me right now. And then let him love you. And just say, God, I'm letting you love me, spiritually speaking, in my heart, hugging me, loving me, protecting me. Very easy to do. Okay? So practice that. And when you're afraid... Do that. Do that when you're afraid. Now, remember what I said. Practice it. 
practice, practice, practice. Because when you really need it, you've already practiced. That's what practicing is all about, right? You practice it, and then when you, when you really don't, when you get, you already know how to do it. Yeah, it's just a practice. Because you're practicing, and what you're doing is you're practicing the presence of God. It's a practice. You just practice it. It's not like you're going to get the presence of God. He didn't go anywhere. What you're practicing is becoming aware of him. That's all you're doing. You're become, because am I aware of this cup? Yes. Do I need to practice that? No, I can just lift it and drink it. Do I need to practice the fact that I'm sitting in this chair? No, I know that because my whole physical body is aware of this chair. But what about the presence of God? Do I see the presence of God with my physical eyes? Nope. But guess what? I see it now. I see it with my spiritual eyes. I see his presence everywhere. I see him in everything and in everyone. And that comes through practice. And what are we practicing? We're practicing our awareness of our oneness with him. And now we're changing. And now we're like, the world is changing. Nope, you're changing. <laughs> do you ever do that? You ever like, the world is changing, Jamin? And I'm like, actually, no, I'm changing into being more of a reflection of what is in the heavens. Okay? You're reflecting what's heavenly. If you are always thinking about the lower things, what do people think about me? Do they like me? Do they not like me? What about, you know, this person? I think they don't like me. They looked at me weird. You know, what if you live in that world? Well, maybe they do. Maybe they don't like you. Maybe they're thinking the same thing you're thinking. Usually that's what you find out is you think, what is everyone thinking of me? And that's what everyone else is thinking. They're thinking about themselves. <laughs> no one's thinking about us. They're thinking about what people think about them. That actually... You know, unless you got a very judgmental group of people, then they probably are thinking about you, which that does happen as well, okay? But God doesn't want us to judge people. Didn't Jesus say that? Don't judge. What are we judging? Now, if you're going to judge, the Bible says judge of righteous judgment. There is a judgment, and what does that mean? It's to discern what is good and what is not. But judging people, you're good, you're bad, you're messed up, you're not messed up. That kind of stuff, don't do that because what's going to end up happening is you end up putting that on yourself. And then you're going to feel condemned. And a lot of people who are very religious have a ton of self-condemnation because they've done so much judging of other people that they've judged their own selves. And now they see themselves the way they've been seeing other people. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And then if someone says you, ever, you did something wrong, they're about ready to bite your head off. Because they've already judged themselves and they live in self-condemnation through this continual practice of judging other people and their behavior. And how do you judge other people? You usually judge people by what they do. God doesn't judge you by what you do. God sees your nature and who you are, and he looks at you for who you are, and he treats you according to how you were created, not according to what you do. If you have a toddler and he toddles around and falls over, do you say, this child is defective, he does not walk? No. no, you just realize he fell over because he's learning how to walk. Because you know what a child is. God knows what a son of God is. And he knows exactly what you look like. And if you toddle and fall over, he's like, stand up, let's keep going. He doesn't go, defective. Imagine imagine if a, if a mother or father did that, defective, that child does not walk. He'd be like, you are not sure what you have here. This is a child, he will walk or she will walk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So God is no different than us in that way. He will see us for who we really are. And if we toddle and fall over, he just picks us up and he says, come on, let's keep walking. You're learning how to walk. You're learning who you really are. You are technically a mature adult in the future, but you're not there yet. So knowing what a thing is is very important. And that's when I say when you judge, you need to know what it is you're actually looking at. A lot of times people don't know what they're looking at, and they just judge it based on their own intellect. People have very unique gifts. Very unique. Way more unique than anybody realizes. Even me. You need wisdom to know what kind of gift you're looking at. Because these gifts are very special. And some of them are secret gifts. They're gifts that God's given people that they have that other people don't understand, but it's between them and the Lord. And so when you're looking at each person, see them after Christ, you can see their interior gifting. So speak to that gifting when you see it. What happens is, even it happens with children, people will judge the child based on their behavior. And no one's looking at the gift. And everyone's trying to fix everything. And they have all sorts of weird things, especially with learning and stuff, where this person's this and that person's that. And I'm like, train according to the gifting. You know, we're coming out of what is called an industrialized society where things were put together in big factories and everybody was kind of needing to be cookie-cuttered out, okay? Because it, when they got older, they all go work at the factory and it works out perfect. Everybody knows how to, they know when they hear the bell, they go to work, right? When the bell rings again, they leave. We have bells in schools because of that. Everything is based on industrialized work, okay? So the children and everyone is, is trained that way. And what they're finding is, is as society is changing, none of these things that they built into the school systems actually do anything when they get out. It makes no sense. People are working from home. They're doing different things. You know, there's a lot of different types of work that's out there. And yet here's everybody cookie-cuttered into this thing. And they're trying to figure out why these children aren't fitting properly. But then when they spit them out the system... On the other side, they don't even use them that way anymore. They don't do bells. Hear the bell, now we go in. Hear the bell, now we go out. This is all old stuff. So even catering to the, the natural man is a challenge because we're transitioning out of a, a, a type of, of uh, world, cultural, and economic system into a new one that is completely different than the old one. So that's challenging. And a lot of times, adults will put that pressure on the child as if it was their fault. And it's not their fault at all. It's because they're going from one system into a new system. And the adults haven't figured it out yet. And there's all sorts of politics now involved in it, which makes it everything. Politics always makes everything messy and illogical. So if you, want, if you say, that's messy and illogical, it's either got politics or religion in it. It's got one of those two things. <laughs> But God wants us to speak to what the nature is of the thing that we're looking at. We're going to be tempted to want to judge a thing by, what, by its behavior, okay? But ask the Lord to show you what it is. And then when you know what it is, then you can make a righteous judgment, okay? So God is showing us, he's training us, and he's teaching us. And he's teaching us through these experiences that we have with him. With him. So like when I, we were doing that earlier where I said everybody be quiet and just picture the love of God just wrapping itself around you and maybe even hugging you, you know, holding you tight. That is an activation in the spirit to become aware of the presence of God. 
those experiences and those times that we have with God, as we practice them, we will start to change. We will change. And what will happen to us? Because what we're doing is, instead of focusing on all these lower thoughts, when I say a lower thought, there's a couple things that you have to know about a lower thought. If you're thinking on something that is temporary, that's a lower thought. Okay? So what am I having for lunch? Very temporary. Okay? Um, how am I going to pay that bill? Very temporary. You know, what about my family? Very temporary. Right? The love of God? Eternal. Thankfulness? Eternal. Graciousness? Eternal. Mercy? Eternal. All of these are eternal thoughts. So when we shift, we're taking the... Now, you're not just... It's not a hope and a prayer type of thing. It's the reality of the presence of God around you. It's the reality of that. It's the fact that he is very near to us, that he lives in us and he's all around us. That thought takes every other thought captive. What passage is it that he says, think of these things? Is it lovely? Philippians... It talks about it in Philippians, and then in, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about taking captive every thought. How do you take captive every thought? Put the thought above. On the above thought, it brings the other thoughts lower, okay? The, the thought realm, okay, the, where your thoughts exist and move around in is the area that the enemy, or the adversary, I'll put it that way, pushes us in, in the thought realm. If you read books, <laughs> articles, or listen, you will see thoughts are being whoosh, frequency, whoosh, right? Everywhere. Frequency, 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 frequency. And what it's looking for is antennas to connect to that frequency and amplify itself. Okay? So it's looking for amplification on the earth, okay? But there is a frequency, a sound, a voice, words, music, however you want to say it. They're all frequencies that come from the above. They come from heaven. And that frequency, that sound, that song, that message comes by the Spirit of God. In the Spirit, we can connect with the Spirit and relay that sound on the earth. And then that sound can be picked up by other people. They find the source of that sound, which is from heaven, and they in turn release the same sound. That's how it works every time, every time. <laughs> so instead of trying to fight the devil on the earth or fight the bad thoughts on the earth, connect to the higher frequency, let the love of God, the peace of God, the patience of God, all the goodness that comes from heaven. And God will show you there are people, a lot of them in heaven. There's quite a few people in heaven. They're awesome and they love you very much, and they have a job there, and we have a job here, and together we complete it. Together. We're still together. We're not separated. We just can't see them with these eyes. But heaven is where it is. Earth is where it is, right? But heaven is within. You just turn and look, right? So we have this happening right now. How does it all work? great question. I have no idea. That's up to the Lord how it's working, right? But if we connect with him, you know, because people want to say the earth is going to be destroyed. The earth is not going to be destroyed. God loves the earth. This is his earth. You do not have permission to destroy his earth. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the Bible says. You can't destroy his earth. So anyone that's going around saying you're going to destroy the earth is a liar and a false prophet. <laughs> Period. The Bible is very clear about that. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's what God says. That's silly talk. God is not going to destroy the earth, but he's going to make it new. He says, I'm new heaven and a new earth. He's making it. It's happening right now before our very eyes. Even though we have all the false prophets out there saying God's going to destroy the earth, not God's going to destroy the earth, man's going to destroy the earth, because man is man's God. You know, not true. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You can't just go and take God's earth from him. That's his earth. That's a fault. You know, that's kind of like, oh, I'm mad at you, God. What are you going to do? Get mad at the sun? Go outside and yell at the sun? Go ahead. Go yell at the sun. You really hurt its feelings. Still going to rise tomorrow. <laughs> You don't know who you're talking to. He loves you. He's given you things to enjoy. He's given you the right paths, the right things. The right things are in you already in Christ. You know, so, so focus on those things. So, all right, you want me to read some scriptures? Yeah, it's 11.56. All right. I know, I've got to get the scriptures. Listen, the scriptures are very important. The thing is, is I have a lot of scriptures inside of me, so I just say them without giving you references, but I know it's important to have references too. So, um, beep, beep, beep. I will show you uh, Philippians 4, 8. Okay, I'll show you one. Take a look at the screen. Class, take a look at the screen, please. Philippians 4, 8. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real. Now, remember what I said about temporary versus permanent. The permanent stuff is real. The temporary stuff is fading away. Fixed all on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. This is a position in the spirit that you go to. Is the love of God glorious? Yes. Is the presence of God glorious? Yes. Do we need the presence of God to come down like religion teaches us? No, you do not. Do, does it need to come up? No, it does not. He's all around you, and he's in you. It's the presence of God. He is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord there is, there's liberty, the Bible says. There's liberty to be in the Spirit. You don't need men to tell you what you have to do. God is speaking to you. He's speaking to your heart. He's telling you the truth. <laughs> you don't have... Listen... When you're a minister of the, of the gospel, like you say, you're this person's a minister. Now, you're all ministers of the gospel, by the way. But when you hear a person, he's, and he's standing in the position of a minister of the gospel, the only thing that minister is doing is confirming what God is speaking to you. He's, that's all we do, is confirm what God has spoken to you. Now, people have ideas in their head that is not God, and ideas in their heart that they have pondered on that is not God. And the Spirit of the Lord will show you the difference. He'll show you. He'll be like, that's you, that's me, that's you, that's me. He'll show you, you know? Because sometimes, anytime we have a thought of separation, okay, like God's over here and I'm over here, like if we feel like we're alone, God's always with us. Now, physically, we may feel alone, but what we can do is go, and here's the other thing, talk to the Lord about it. He will bring people around us. He will bring people into our lives to comfort us, to help us. He does it all the time. I watch him do it all the time. I watch everybody, 
and I see God in everybody's life, and I'm always like amazed every time. I'm like, because I can see it, and I don't know if they can or not, and it's not my problem whether they do or not, but if he gives me an opportunity to say it, I'll say it. I'll be like, wow, look at what God's done for you. You know, I have a, a, a relative right now, and, and she's gone through some really intense stuff, like really intense um, with sickness and stuff, and I have been watching God's grace on her life. It is amazing. It is amazing. The type of ad- adversity that she has faced and the level of grace on her life is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. So sometimes you might look at it and say, oh, that's terrible. But I say, but but look at this. Look what God did in this person's life. It's amazing. It's astounding, actually. And, and so when it says that, fasten your thoughts in every glorious work of God, of God. People are like, I'd like to thank I'd like to thank God for this sickness. Don't thank God for sickness. God doesn't give you sickness. Find the thing that God did do. Maybe it was a medication you have that has helped you a lot. Maybe it was the fact that you're overcoming this thing. Maybe it's the fact, you know, you can find something in that. You know, some people teach you should be thankful for this and this. I'm like, well, that didn't come from God. Why would you be thankful for that? People give testimonies of what God did, and the testimony is basically what the devil did. And at the very end, praise God, I got saved, and don't have to do that no more. And everyone's like, well, who was that testimony about? <laughs> God or, or the devil? You know. And people have been through a lot. And, and to see somebody overcome adversity, that is actually good. And, and, and it, is, it is a testimony to, sh- to show people the adversity you overcame. But sometimes people put so much of an emphasis on what the devil did that you forget the fact that, you know, what God did, you know? So I get, there's a balance to it. I'm not saying that's a bad testimony. I'm just saying, like, if we focus on those too much, we may forget the fact that the whole point was to show what God did, not what the devil did. So that's all. Just a balance. That's all it is. I'm not, I'm not uh, talking bad about people's favorite testimonies. I have some, too. Um, okay, so uh, let's see here. So the other one is this, um, which is in the book, Second uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians, ladies and gentlemen, um, ten, and chapter chapter ten. That would be First Corinthians chapter ten or Second Corinthians chapter ten. And verse 3. Actually, I love all the scripture, so I will start in verse (laughs) 1. Now please, listen, for I need to address an issue. I'm making this personal appeal to you by the gentleness and self-forgetfulness of God. I am the one who is humble and timid when face-to-face with you, but bold and outspoken when a safe distance away. (laughs) I love that. This is the Apostle Paul, right? Now I plead with you that when I come, Don't force me to take a hard line with you, which I'm willing to do, by daring to confront those who mistakenly believe that we are living by the standards of the world, not by the Spirit's wisdom and power. Okay, so this is what he's saying. It's like people are saying, you know, he's going to confront people, you know. Sometimes sometimes there's times to confront, okay. No, A lot of times people don't like confrontation. There are some people who thrive on confrontation, which is very interesting. And most people do not like confrontation. They do not like to be like, okay, you know, it's uncomfortable, right? But here he is. He's going to confront those who mistakenly believe that we are living by the standards of the world and not by the Spirit's wisdom and power, okay? So he's letting them know this before. Because, you know, hey, Paul had to deal with stuff. Peter had to deal with stuff. What was it? A lot of jealousy, you know, a lot of envy, a lot of strife. 
people coming in after him, right? But what does he say? He says, for although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. He doesn't use manipulation. Be very careful about manipulation. You know, some of the things that are taught are manipulative. Some of the things that we call Christian teaching can be manipulative. There is a manipulative aspect to some of it. We need to be careful. God does not manipulate us. Manipulation means you better do this or this is going to happen. You better do that or that's going to happen. That can be very manipulative and controlling. We need to be very careful of that. I mean, God's going to tell you, put your hand on the stove. When it's on, you will burn your hand. That's not manipulation. That's a warning. <laughs> okay? But people do things to try to get people to do certain things. That's called manipulation. Don't ever engage in manipulation. Bad, bad, bad. Well, if I don't manipulate them, they're never going to do what I want them to. Well, guess what? Maybe they don't want to do what you want them to. Okay? Now, this is not a parental child thing. There is a discipline thing, and parents do set certain ground rules for their home, and they should be clear about that. That's not manipulation. That's ground rules. Okay? Now, when it comes to our interpersonal relationships, we should not be using manipulation. That's an insecure type of thing. Okay? So he's saying we don't wage military campaigns employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aim. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power. Well, if you're going to have weapons that are energized with divine power, you have to be in agreement with the divine power. You can't just go around doing what you want and say, give me a little divine power, God, for me to destroy my enemies. That's not what it's about. To be empowered. And what is divine power giving us? It's like, here is the love of God. Here is forgiveness and mercy. Here is thankfulness. That is the power of God within us. Now, does it raise the dead? Sure does. Does it heal the sick? Absolutely. Does it cast out demons? Their history. Because that's the power that's within us. Now, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Okay? We can demolish. Who's that? Us. We can demolish. See, this is the other thing you got to remember. God doesn't like fiddle around with false ideas. He demolishes them. Like it's powder on the ground, and then the Spirit blows it away. Don't keep stuff around that doesn't need to be there. Don't keep a pet bad idea that you carry around with you. Let the Spirit demolish all of it. It isn't helping you. <laughs> it, it always claims to give you power. Here's the one I was thinking about today. Anger. Anger is one that people love to grab onto because anger makes you feel powerful. But you aren't powerful. Anger is just lying to you. It's a spirit, and it's lying. It's saying, if you're angry enough, you'll be able to change your entire world around you and get things to obey you. No, you will not. What usually ends up happening is anger is very destructive. And the things around you that you care about, you can hurt when you're angry. And the Bible says the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. So just all I'm saying is don't use that as your go-to. It's not a good go-to. You know what I'm saying by go-to? This is where I go to whenever I need something, anger. Don't do that as a go-to. Parents can do that with their children. They're like, okay, that's it. Now I'm angry. And the kids are like, oh, now dad's angry. You better go run, you know. 
Anger is not a good way to discipline. Does God get angry and discipline us? No, he disciplines us with his love. His time, you know, the Bible talks about God being angry. That's a different kind of anger. That's not man's anger. Man's anger is very destructive and selfish. Very, very selfish. It's about me. God didn't get angry with the children of Israel because of himself. He was angry at what the children of Israel were doing to themselves. It's a righteous anger, and it only comes from God. So don't go around saying, I'm angry because God's angry. No, you're angry because you're being selfish. Thank you. <laughs> but look, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy. That's what, that's what that is. That's a deceptive fantasy. Now listen, I'm saying this because God's told me this. He told me about me being angry and thinking I'm being empowered by the Spirit. He goes, you sure are a wrong spirit. And I was like, whoops. <laughs> he told me so clear and so matter of fact, and I just said, that's it for me. I'm done. I'm never going to engage in anger. Now, does that mean sometimes I'm not tempted to be angry? Well, sure, I could be angry. Have I had times where I was angry? Yes. But I'm not seeing that, and, and, and I'm not staying in that spot. I'm changing as quickly as I can. You see what I'm saying? Right. You have to. You have to. You know what I'm saying? Because if not, because listen, anger is an emotion that comes up a lot of times due to frustration. Again, when you're down here striving, hitting the ground, trying to get some fruit to come up, right? Mm -hmm. And I just hit another root, and I just hit another rock, <clears throat> you know, you want to be angry, right? So, but, but here's the thing. If you're angry, don't stay there, right? Just shift real quick and easy, okay? Just shift real quick and easy. Uh, all right, we're going to get... We're going to do this. We're going to figure this out, right? Be patient. Now now bring now bring a fruit of the Spirit in. Here comes some patience. Now we need a little patience. They're not listening to me today. For some reason, no one is listening. Patience, right? I'm going to eat the fruit instead of the work of the flesh. The work of the flesh is the anger. The fruit is the patience. See what I'm saying? So you just, you just decide to shift. Remember what I was saying at the beginning. We're being trained by the Spirit of the Lord. This isn't me trying to do something. This is God training me. He's training me, and he's training you personally has nothing to do with me. I'm just coming alongside and saying the same thing God's saying to you. That's all I do. Just uh, an imitator. I'm just like, God's saying this? I'm saying this. That's how you do it. You do the same thing. When you're talking to people and you see what God, what are you saying to them, God? I'm going to say the same thing that you're saying. So that way there's confirmation. Now we're building each other up instead of tearing each other down. What's God saying about you? Because you know, a lot of times you see things, God gives you perception massive perception. Some people can perceive things that other people cannot. So why did he give you that perception? So that you can love. So that you can love them. That's why you can see it. Sometimes people use that perception because they say, well, I'm going to make them feel bad about themselves because I know a lot about them. That would be the flesh. That would be a lower realm. God gave you that perception so you can say, now I can love them even better because I know all this stuff about them because I have very good perception of people. See how that works? So these gifts, these are hidden gifts that are inside of people that they have. And when you connect them with the higher realm, you demolish all these false ideas about it, these fantasies about yourself, about anger, about all this. And now you start to walk in the spirit and things start changing around you. You have little gardens everywhere, little spiritual gardens that, that Jesus is doing because you just came alongside of them. And now you actually see the gardens because they were always there. You just never saw them, right? But now that you've shifted, we tear down these, demolish the deceptive fantasies that oppose God, and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. So that's what all these things are. I need anger to make myself strong. No, you don't. You're strong in the Lord. Okay? We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought 
and insists that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. You bow. And how you do that? The higher frequency. Okay? So you put your thought on those things. Okay? So anyway, there's a lot more in here, but I like the whole scripture, so I could just read the whole chapter, but I won't. So we'll just try to summarize it a little bit. So as God's training us, we're learning. Okay? We're learning what it means to be a son of God. You, you already are. Jesus has brought you in. You're like, have I acknowledged Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Well, I'm just talking about him right now. Apparently, I've acknowledged him, right? right? Who am I? I'm created in the image of God, just like Jesus. I look just like Jesus. We're like twins. We're awesome, you know? Because you can see a person after the flesh, and you can see a person after the Spirit. And when you see people after the Spirit, they look like sons. And they're amazing. All of them. <laughs> Even if they don't know they're amazing, you know. And you can speak to that in them. You know, so this is part of growing. Now, is there things that are not good? Yes. Do we sometimes have to address those things? We do. But how do we address them? With the love of God. I know this is the path that you thought you're supposed to go on, but this is not you. God has shown me the potential that's in your life. You don't have to do this. You can go this direction now. You know what I'm saying? You can say that to people as God shows you people in their lives. You can say, look, I know you think this is you, but it's not. God has made you amazing. He's made you beautiful, and you have light that comes from you. And I'm speaking to that light in you. Let that light shine out of you all around you. And you will change everyone around you because you're going to be at a, a, a reflection of Jesus in you. See what I'm saying? It takes practice. Don't give up if you haven't practiced. <laughs> Just keep practicing. You know, when you're playing violin, Elaine plays, you know, you different people playing an instrument or whatever, and you're like, cling, cling, clink, and you're like, oh. well, you just keep practicing. You're doing great. God's saying you're doing awesome. Just keep doing it. You're, you're getting there. I don't feel like I'm getting there. It doesn't matter what you feel like. One day you're getting it up there, and you're going to play that recital, and everyone's going to go, wow, they really practiced, you know? Practice the love. Practice the presence. Practice the goodness of God. What I always say is, how is God treating you? Well, treat other people that way. However he's treating you. We're like, well, God really treats me with a lot of grace and mercy because, man, do I mess up. Well, guess what? Do that with other people because <laughs> that's what he's doing with you. He's teaching you by example. Okay? So these are all things that are in us, fruit that is in us, things that God cultivates, the Spirit brings us into, and things that we can ponder. Take a scripture, you know, like I, I give you the scriptures because I know the scriptures, you know, and you probably know plenty of scriptures too, but if there's ones you don't know, look up these scriptures, 2 Corinthians 10, Philippians 4, great scriptures. If there's something noble, admiral, worthy of, worthy of respect and honor, think about those things. I can think of a whole bunch of people that I think are like, you know, really not living for God right and really causing people to go off track. But, you know, if I think about them for a minute, I can actually find a whole lot of good giftings that God's put in them that are amazing. They may be using it all wrong, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, but God still put it in there. He doesn't call them bad. They may be acting bad, but he doesn't call them bad. He calls them righteous. Now, have they turned yet? Nope. Have they, have they connected with that righteousness yet? They have not, unfortunately, at least in these areas. But there's something good in there. And God lets you see the good in every man. Because there is good in every man. Because God created us good. All right? So let's pray. 
Father, thank you for the word of God, for being aware of you everywhere in us, cleansing us from, maybe we feel unrighteous in some way. Your blood cleanses us. We just take the blood, just take the blood of Jesus, just wash it right over you. Yes, I'm clean, I'm holy, I'm righteous in you. You see me as holy, I have white robes on because I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Anything in me that I don't feel like is right has already been cleansed. I am whole, I am righteous, and I am holy before you. So Lord, we thank you for the word, God, the logic, the logos, and the spirit that brings life. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>